Steven. Steven. I could save us. But I can't have you fighting me this time. You need to give me control. You understand? What control of what? What are you talking about? That thing's about to break through the door. We're out of time. And I'm Noah, and you're listening to a brand new season of A Bite Of, where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Welcome, welcome to our Moon Knight season slash the thing that we're currently obsessed with slash the thing we're covering currently. That was my phone. I am so sorry. Zerp. (laughs) So if you didn't listen to our Before You Watch Moon Knight, obviously we're covering Moon Knight. So is this the first episode or is like, is, is this, this is episode one and that was episode 0.5 or zero? Yeah. Episode zero. It's the thing that you can, it's optional. It's not required on the test at the end of the season to listen to our before you watch. I mean, we did the research for you, so you didn't have to do the research, (laughs) but if you don't want to take our research, then I guess you're just going in cold. Yeah, which I think is fine, especially with the brand new fresh character. Some people like to not be spoiled with, you know, the things that happen. We also do write it in article form, so it's on abideofpod.com. So if you don't want to listen to us, you can read it for five minutes. Or <laughs> why not both? Yeah. Enjoy it both ways. <laughs> but speaking of other forms that we are in, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at abideofpod. And also Patreon if you want to support the show. If you like us, if you listen to us, and you're like, oh, those guys are really cool. But also not required. <laughs> you know, if if I heard someone saying a bite of pod, I would think, oh, it, it must be about pea pods. No. And they love them. <laughs> I do. But definitely not. Our food, or food, our show is <laughs> not anywhere near food. But we like food. We love food. So food is great. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are in the first episode of Moon Knight, the new phase of Marvel, if you will. Oh, he said Moon Pun. He said Moon Pun. Oh, yeah. Moon Pun. (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to talk about the show. We're going to go through it. We're going to give you our instant thought and reactions. And also, since there's, what, six now? Six new MCU shows? Yes. We're going to talk about the which... Of the six, we're going to rank them, Our first, the first episodes of each one of them. Which ones are our favorites? Do you, do you like listicles? Do you want to listen to a listicle? This yeah. is an auditory one. Yeah. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for that. For that. But before we start discussing the episode of Moon Knight, we always have to issue a spoiler warning. Yeah. We don't want you to be spoiled. We don't want you to blame us for spoiling the episode for you. No. So, spoiler warning. Yeah, that's why we have these episodes come out like two days. We give you 48 hours to watch yeah. the show that we're talking about because we don't want to spoil it for anybody. No. Uh, we, we don't want to be spoiled. And no. Why would we do the same to you? Exactly. How so, awful. You have been warned. You've conjured been warned. <laughs> It's a pun. It's there. It's somewhere. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause, and I'll think about it when I listen back. But let us officially take a bite of Moon Knight episode one, the Goldfish Problem. And what a problem, Mister Stephen Grant has in this episode. <laughs> he has many problems. Yeah. So leading up to this show, we know that Disney Marvel they acquired fully. The Netflix 
Marvel shows. Nartflarks. You know, indeed. <laughs> Nartflarks. Marvel shows. Uh, you know, Daredevil, amazing show. Jessica Jones, amazing show. Luke Cage, pretty good show. Uh-oh. Iron Fist, okay. Yeah. Defenders, it's pretty good because Daredevil the other and Jessica Jones are yeah. <laughs> But they're good. But they are mature content. And so with this tonal shift that we've heard Kevin Feige talk about, Oscar Isaac, everything, Moon Knight is the first one under the MCU umbrella where it's like, we're going to get a little mature. Yeah. And they do tiptoe into with some. <laughs> this is definitely a toenail shift. <laughs> so the opening scene of this show, and again, they're tiptoeing into the mature content with this one. We see Arthur, Arthur Harrow. <laughs> Arthur. Arthur Haro. As my friend, Arthur Haro. We see him lay out this nice little placemat cloth. We see that he gets this nice glass of water. He does that magical on the rim of it, which, I mean, come on. It's like not the right glass for that. No, it's not. I don't know who they think they're fooling. (laughs) But it's mystical. He drinks the water in it. I don't know if he's a half glass full, half glass empty type of guy. Then he wraps the glass. I don't think that's for him to decide. No. Gets his crocodile cane and smashes a glass. And it's like, okay, this is a weird tradition. Violence. (laughs) Then he gets his nice little sandals. Clearly alligator. (laughs) Clearly. Is it? I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool. I just thought it was like, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then he pours this glass into his sandals. And if you've ever seen the A24 film St. Maud, you know where this is kind of going. (laughs) So (laughs) he distributes which i thought was hilarious he puts the glass in there and then he moves the glass side by side even sandals. even Stevens, yeah he evens it out in the sandals yeah. then steps into him and starts a walking okay i have a couple of things here okay, okay. so first of all <laughs> cheating clearly there are holes in those sandals not impressed ethan hawk not on the bottom though in the back <laughs> oh Zippity doodah, going to work. Skip, skip. It all comes out. No one's impressed. Okay. <laughs> Two, I, I, I was expecting, I was expecting blood flowing out of these sandals. It is quite odd that there's no. Right. Maybe the bottom of them are Scarred. very absorbent. <laughs> oh no! You would think you would. They would have to be. You're saying there's a ShamWow moment happening Absolutely. at the bottom. Of them. <laughs> Who says he's not above a good ShamWow? It's true. And three, listen. If you guys have been listening to us, you know that we wake up early to watch this, okay? I mean, I'm talking about literally roll over, grab the remote, turn the TV on, watch the new episode. Still in bed. 5.30 in the morning, haven't even processed the day, (laughs) and I'm watching Ethan Hawke step on glass shoes? Yeah, and also to the tune of Bob Dylan's Every Grain of Sand. You know, it's just some things you can't prepare for. No. And this toenail shift, not for me. No. Not so early. I did. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I The MCU or shows typically, unless you're Euphoria and you just play like every bop that's happening right now. Hey. <laughs> they usually pick songs for a reason. And so I was like, why did you pick Bob Dylan's Evergreen of Sand? Turns out that this song came out shortly after Bob Dylan announced that he was a born-again Christian. And it's very much based in faith and spirituality. So I was like, okay, I I got it. And I guess, like, I don't know, like, you can kind of think of it like every grain of sand, like... Glass. Right. (laughs) 
And like each little <laughs> grain can make a difference. And so each little grain of sandy glass. Just... Isn't glass just grains of sand? Yes. Melted down. Go. But also. <laughs> and it was a blast. What? Heart of glass. Oh. Blondie. I don't know. I was just thinking of another fun song. They should have played that. <laughs> the next part we get is we get to meet Stephen Grant. Bestie. And the song quickly switches to A Man Without Love by Engelbert Humperdinck. Amazing song, by the way. Amazing name. Yeah, amazing. But we meet Mr. Stephen Grant, who's in London. He's um, you know, strapped to his bed by the ankles. Which London. Is London. <laughs> why did he say it like that? london <laughs> so he then goes through his morning routine of feeding his one finned goldfish gus checking the sand circle around his bed taking the strip of tape off of his door and calling his mum. i do want to say though after watching this a few times are we sure that when he first wakes up that this is steven and not mark it's interesting because I feel like since the only distinguishing factors we get with these two different people is the accent. Yeah. So Stephen has this chimney sweep of an accent and then Stephen just, or Mark has. Oscar Isaac's voice. American accent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like without him speaking, I'm just like, who is this? Who is that? He wakes up confused, but then like. It's interesting because it's like he wakes up confused, but then he's very pre-programmed to do the things that he does. He wakes up, he unstraps himself, he gets the painter's tape, which isn't going to stop anyone. It's not supposed to stop. What is it supposed to do? (laughs) To know if the door is opened or not. Girl, you just put a new piece of tape up. Well, right. I think that's the thing that like... As we know later on, Mark is a mercenary and he's pretty good at doing things so i'm pretty sure he would know like oh there's tape okay listen listen (laughs) i may not good be good at edging a wall while painting with painter's tape but i sure as hell can put a piece over a door frame yeah you don't have to be a mercenary to do that no i'm just saying he would know what that would be and he'd be like oh i'm just come on steven i'm just gonna put this right back (laughs) while i go on my night stroll it's just yeah yeah, I mean, I have... I'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. The second time we see him wake up. The second time. Well, so, but, so this other part that I wanted to mention, he does call his mum a few times. Mm. And it is interesting that he never actually talks to her. It's just voicemails with he, postcards being sent to him. And that's also interesting, right? He says, I got the postcard. And then he pins it to the, you know, edge of the, that's around the tank, the border around the tank. And you can see there's tons of postcards there. Oh, yeah. And they're old. So he's been constantly running through this routine that he has. Yeah. So do you have any theories about if it's really his mom or? I don't, what? I do not think it's his mom. I do believe it's Agatha Harkness. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That would be cool. Right? Maybe not so far off. Obviously, I'm full of shit. But I don't I don't think it's his mom. No, I actually think it's Mark. I think one of his identities, it's probably them. Because who else is traveling that much? It would be the mercenary. Right. One of one of his identities is his mom. <gasps> oh no. I don't want like a Norman Bates situation going on. Hello. No. <laughs> me love. It's no, me, love, me. No. no, but I mean, the fact that he hasn't talked to his mom, like we haven't heard it, it's 
who knows actually what's happening. The accent is very weird for them to even have. So I don't know. We'll see. You know what, though? Let's stop for just a moment and talk about the character of Steven in the comics is not this like lowly chimney sweep guy. No, that that's the interesting thing about this so far. I mean, we don't know exactly how many of the identities are going to make it into the show. We know that Moon Knight slash Mark is in it. Steven's in it. Mr. Mm-hmm. Knight's in it. But Jake isn't in it. But also Steven, who is the main protagonist so far in the story, he's not, I want to say, like the Jake identity. Right. He's this millionaire. He's pretty he's much a like playboy. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He's Bruce Wayne, essentially. So it is interesting, this shift into how they do these yeah. identities. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't buy it. I don't buy that that's actually what Steven is like. I have my theories, and I'll get to them very, very shortly, because ah. there's a line in this where I was like, eh? Interesting. Mm, it's when he says, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Steven then makes his way to work, where he works as a museum gift shop clerk, but he's very sleepy, because apparently he does not get any sleep. The little girl that he runs into in the museum... They have a little chat because she's putting trash, ew, into, I mean, it's not like an actual like pyramid, obviously, because it's like two feet tall, but like (laughs) still like manners, little girl. This little girl woke up that morning. She said, you know what? Fuck Fuck this. I'm going to go to that museum. I'm going to stick some trash in that (laughs) mini pyramid. And I like how she had no remorse when he caught her. Yeah. She was like, what up? Boink, boink, boink. There's nothing in this anyway. It's stupid. So then he proceeds to, you know, educate her a little bit. He loves Egypt. He loves this type of stuff. And he's talking about how they used to take their organs out through the nose with, with the a hook. hook. But then there's this line. And within the first five minutes of this, this is a spoiler. If you know, Even more of a spoiler, even though you've seen this episode, but you don't know this character. She talks about how, how does it feel to be rejected from the field of reeds? And he's like, well, I'm not dead, am I? Mm. We know that mm-hmm. Mark in the comics slash all of the identities, he had died in Egypt. He was brought to the tomb of where Conchu was, and that's what brought him back. And that's how he's involved. That's how he became Moon Knight, essentially. So it's interesting that there's these illusions. They're alluding. They're alluding into. <laughs> mm-hmm. I try to make it a word that wasn't a word. I think you were right. They're alluding to. Yeah. I try to make it fancier. Illusion. They are alluding to the fact that he actually did die, but he's here now. And that's what makes me think that maybe Steven isn't actually like maybe when he did die, you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of like the identity is protecting him. Right. Yeah. And he's not remembering everything. So it kind of pieced together these things like his mom and then all this stuff. So it's, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see where that goes, but we got some hints that he, has died. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. So we then meet his boss lady, Donna. Donna. Played by Lucy Thackeray. Insults him about everything. Donna is what people would say is the worst. (laughs) She's the worst. Yeah, yeah. She's so unhappy with her life that she needs to make Stephen (laughs) mild-mannered. Meek. You know, meek uh, Egyptologist. Wonderful human. He, she even like, you know, disses his knowledge of Egypt. It's yeah. Like, he knows. What For, he... She's like, she's like, uh, do I have to remind you? You're not a tour guide here. Okay. You work in the gift shop. You have to say it like her. Um, I don't know the exact line. <laughs> but... but say it like her. 
I, Stephen, do I have to remind you, you're not a tour guide. You work in, you work in the gift shop. Scan these little gummies. You edge it. Get yeah. on with it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what she sounds like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Like, it's, it's like he, everyone around him. It's that typical superhero story. Like before they're the superhero. It's they're very like normal, kind of looked at forgotten. People don't know their yeah. names. They're bumbling. Right, right. But I did yeah. like this specifically for this character, mostly because of Oscar Isaac. Because we don't really see him too much like this. Mm. Like the world flipped out when he like smelt what was it, um Chastain's arm. Oh, he kissed her. Well, you know what I mean? Like he started, like everybody flipped out about that and was like, this is the sexiest thing ever. But then now we see him as like, <laughs> I mean, listen, people saw those Star Wars movies for Poe Dameron didn't work out so well for those people. So we're looking for this moment for Oscar <laughs> Isaac to really just take hold of the scene and we're just getting it. Watch Ex Machina and he steals every single scene that he's in. But that was like before the world was in love with Oscar Isaac. You and now they're still, super in love with him. Yeah, but that would affirm your love for him even more. Ooh. <laughs> so then we Avarice. also see this scene with another coworker named Dylan. Asks if they're still on for the day on Friday. But he doesn't know or nor remember about this date. Best steak in town. He's either too scatterbrained for his own good or something other than Gus is fishy. I wrote that and I had to say it because I was like, I wanted to bring up Gus again. <laughs> we can't forget about Gus. We can't forget about Gus. Give it a give Guess what? <laughs> Gus has one fin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finding Nemo is real. Remember that. But I was also excited whenever the Twitter account for Moon Knight released this poster for the first episode. It was Gus inside of a blender, which confused the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I even looked up. I was like, fish and Moon Knight? Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing came up. in blender? Yeah, so it was very confusing, but we just, we can't forget about Gus. But also, as we know, Gus is not actually in the blender. Yet. No. Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. It is a different fish. Yeah, so it's the other one. But still, I was hoping that the pet Avengers was being built even more because we just got lucky. But, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's still out. Also, according to Donna, Stephen's a vegan. So it's also funny that he... Wanted to go on a date with her for steak. Her steak, her steak. But obviously we know that this was probably another identity that made this date. Mark. How much is like Mark working for him during the day that he doesn't remember? Yeah, they're very, very diligent employees. No matter whether it's it's Mark or Steven, they know what they have to do. Yeah. <laughs> they have to deal with Donna, go on dates with Dylan, and do that inventory. <laughs> So we do see that even though he's like a gift shop worker, he's he's an expert in Egyptian history. He even points out a mistake on the museum's marketing poster for a new exhibit that they have coming out. So he gives a brief tutorial about a supergroup of Egyptian gods known as the Inid. 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 It was the Avengers. Very- <laughs> It was very hard to understand what he was saying because he has that accent. Yeah. I was like, Inad, Inad, Inad. I, I was like, yeah, I was trying to process it. And all I knew was in my head, I'm going, just stop. Donna's not going to appreciate this, Stephen. <laughs> and surely she did not. 
the in this poster he he mentions a few of the gods like Horus and Shu and all of them and Donna kind of cuts them off but they're the other gods that are within that are Utnam, Gub, Nut, Isis, Set and uh, Nif Nifthus Nifths. Just gonna go with it. And these were once worshipped in a specific city in Egypt. There's generally nine, since Horus isn't always included. But in the comics, and I just wanted to point this out because this group of super Egyptian gods does exist in the comics. And in a way, they're like in their own pocket dimension, just like kind of like Asgard and the Eternals. Like they are gods, but kind of what's the right word? Kind of go over their own domain. You know what I mean? It's like they're cosmic in a way, but it's like the Egyptian, you know, the oh. Egyptians do this, but they could go everywhere else, just like the Asgard. Oh, I got you. You know I what you. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So they do exist. Um, but in this, also Amit and Khonshu are part of this nine. So I just wanted to lay the groundwork for that. I also just wanted to mention that if you listen to our Loki season, you should already know about Set in my OMTG special segment. Oh, really? I forgot. I'm sorry. Well, no, maybe somebody else remembered. <laughs> Comment below if you remember. <laughs> wow. Okay, it's fine. Continue. So, outside of work, Stephen lives a lonely, solitary life, barely noticeable by anyone, and spending his nights talking to a street performer who's posing as a statue. Turns out, due to the credits, this is actually Bertrand Crowley, who... In the comics, oh, Crowley is a informant for Mark Spector, aka Moon Knight, on the streets of New York City. I should have known by the hair. Now, I was actually noticing that this guy's hair looked very much like the guy that was selling brooms right outside of his apartment door when he left. They all have stringy hair. But I'm thinking, is Crowley just always watching him in different forms? Like, because every day he said, every day you're out outside my door selling brooms he could be and every day he goes and eats dinner with the statue i mean knowing the mcu they they took a character and obviously are changing it because this person in the comics is a person without a home mm. so they just they're just an informant for moon knight and they kind of he kind of like gives them food and stuff like that and in this one it's a little different but i did like that in the comics mark specter slash moon knight typically talks to a statue of Khonshu mm-hmm. at night as a kind of way to process the day and stuff like that. So in a way, it's like Crowley kind of did two folds. It's like it does exist. And also he's posing as a statue and Stephen was talking to him. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that you just mix the two. I also like that Stephen looks out for the statue performer and reminds people who take a picture with him to leave a tip. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you got to look out for it. It's his friend. Yeah. And I just want to mention, we've got a lot of New York City within the MCU. I mean, Shang-Chi and Black Panther are kind of expanding that a little bit. But I like that this one, again, is not set in New York City. Mm, it's in mm, London, mm, mm. which Moon Knight operates out of New York City, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And with Hawkeye and also Spider-Man No Way Home, we got a lot of New York. I'm just glad to see like a different vibe and double-decker buses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of flats. Yeah. They have flats. So now we get to Stephen's bedtime ritual, including pouring sand all around his bed, locking himself with those ankle straps, reading, playing with the Rubik's Cube, and listening to self-help tapes, which is very old school 
<laughs> so this is something that I think is interesting, right? So when our episode begins, Stephen wakes up in his bed, and you can see, or, or whoever it is, they mm-hmm. wake up, and they're confused. They look like they're not sure what's going on. Right. He takes the covers off. He looks at the ankle, the ankle uh, brace, and he's like, what is this? What's going on? But it's interesting to me that Stephen doesn't know that he becomes other people, yet he knows that he needs to put the tape on the door and strap himself to the bed. So he he thinks that I think at this point he thinks that he has a sleeping disorder and he cuz he mentions I can't remember in the episode who he mentions it to but he meant oh his mom I think at the beginning he mentions that he sleepwalks mm. and stuff like that so I think he's just taking like drastic measures for it. Yeah. But maybe since like there's no I don't know enemy of Kanchu until now Existing, the switches or the blackouts are happening more erratically, Mm-mm-mm-mm. and Steven's becoming more aware. We also don't know how long it's been since he became who he is. Like, when did yeah. he die? You know, right. so it's like, right. that's why I'm kind of thinking it's like, it, you're right, it would be too long. Like, if he lived like this forever, it would be weird that he never had any, like, oh, why did I do this or why did I do that? Like, in just chalking it up to sleep. A sleep disorder mm-hmm. that's what makes me think that like it happened pretty recently mm-hmm. and steven is kind of trying to protect the body right by coming up with these things getting the job at the place and you know what i mean i mean d- does donna just hate him that much if he hasn't been working there that long she just hates him that yes. much yes <laughs> absolutely a thousand percent yes donna why no. she's like i wanted the best steak in town with you and you didn't I, take me out i love the character but she is not great no i don't like her she's a meanie <laughs> eventually due to him trying to stay awake sleep does catch up with him and this is where the episode gets really weird slash interesting slash this is what the show is going to be. Mm-hmm. This is catapulting us into the world of Moon Knight. Steven suddenly wakes up in the middle of a field outside of a European question mark village <laughs> with his face all kinds of busted up, snapping his jaw back Blech. into place. Blech. With again, now we're in this mature content. So we no. hear we hear the bu- the bones no, moving and we see no. a bunch of blood in his mouth. Yeah, this is what I think the movies call an unspecified European village. <laughs> They're just like he. You can wakes. tell the Alps are yeah, there. Exactly. It's like it looks European. Sound of music field. Exactly. Maybe. There's some red roofs and it's pretty quaint. There's it's also a European village. Poppies all in the field and cobblestone streets. Right. It's got to be Europe. Absolutely. <laughs> Has to. I mean, he is in London to begin with, so it's like, how far did he really go? London. 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 <laughs> so, turns out, Stephen has just intervened in an attempt by Haro's forces to steal a golden scarab, forcing Stephen to jump out of a window in an attempt to escape. Oh. I I thought he was stealing the scarab from them. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Stephen intervened Mark. Oh, 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 stealing it. Yeah, I got that, you. I it's going to be gotcha, like gotcha. the key word, like the key things to like, I guess when we're talking about this, is like the names. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, no, I'm I'm saying that also for myself because it's like, that's why when I put this, wrote this, I put Stephen in quotes. I'm like, Stephen did this, Noah, <laughs> reminding myself. Yeah. 
But he looks up and he sees those guys. And I love this part because he like waves to him. He's yeah. Like, Hi. Hey, guys. And the other guy, he's like, what are you doing? Shoot him. <laughs> I do also love the voiceover of Conchu. Oh, my God. Where, F. Murray Abram. Oh, my gosh. Go Great. back to sleep, worm. <laughs> Surrender the body to Mark. The idiots in control. The idiots in control. I love it. This disembodied voice that is... Comes out of nowhere for us, mm-hmm. the viewer. It's oh, it's so good. And it's interesting though because like I feel like the there well actually the lack of effect on the voice. Whereas like usually when something's happening inside someone's head, it's it, like echoey. It's like echoey. Yeah. This is like bold. It's for yeah. everyone to hear. It's yeah. all encompassing, and like that's the power of conscious. But only Mark slash Steven yes. can hear it. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And I did love this scene because we get our first like kind of flash of Conchu coming up behind him. And it's so quick. Mm. I loved it. It's it's so good. I was like, ooh, this is like, this is the stuff I was hoping for. And their depiction of Conchu, they took directly from the comics. Oh, yeah. He looks just like him, especially yeah. the Jeff Lemire run. Yes, exactly. Looks exactly Exactly. Like so Stephen does find a golden scarab beetle in his pocket. Before he can make sense of anything, the group of men with guns begin to pursue him towards the Alpine village slash random European village. We don't know where. He comes across a congregation forming around Haro and does his best to blend in. Puts that Avengers disguise up. It's just a hood. Just a hood, baby. Just a hood. I love this like, come along, everyone, gather around. It's the morning judgment. Well, they kind of... So this... The, it's interesting. This, this, the character of Haro in the comics. He was like a, he's a Nazi scientist, and his whole thing was pain therapy. Mm. So I thought it was cool that he was like doing this like self-flagellation with pain. Very Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Very like ew. Come on. <laughs> but he, it, it seems that these villagers are like more like zombie-like almost, or like. They say, we love you so much. I want to touch your brown shirt. But I want... <laughs> is it brown? It's like brown. It's like blood. Dried blood. You said rust? Rusty? Yeah, rust. 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 Yeah. Okay. Iron I'll blood, give you rust. rust. Yeah, in the air. <laughs> dried. Got it. <laughs> but I, I'm just curious what, he, what hold he has on this random European village. Did you see the surrounding hills? Live here for free. Pray to Amut. Get fresh cupcakes delivered. I guess that's it. <laughs> On Sundays, you get free cupcakes. Hey, who wants cupcakes? Hey. <laughs> so, I also did like his, his the, the aesthetic they're going for Haro because since they changed the character so much, I'm glad. Like, not, we've had Hydra, we got the whole right. Nazi thing. That's what I was thinking. We don't totally. need that. But it's very like Rajneesh, like garb. It's very culty. Are you talking about? Wild, wild country. Wild, wild country. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. It's similar in color. I'm just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, there's definitely cult. Yeah. It's cult. Cult things are happening. Yeah. So Haro exclaims it's their mission to make Earth as much like heaven as possible. He seeks volunteers who offer their souls for judgment to serve their goddess Amit before she wakes, which whenever that's going to be. As volunteers make their way up, Haro pl- places the crocodile cane into their palms as a skilled tattoo begins to shift in his skin. Can we just talk about Amit for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So Amit is a demoness and goddess in ancient Egyptian religion with the forequarters of a lion, the hindquarters of a hippopotamus, and the head of a crocodile. You turned into Hermione for like two seconds. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> um, 
Amit was a beast associated with the time of judgment depicted mm. in funerary texts such as the Book of the Dead. Then they are there to judge you. Yeah, I, I want to say, like, if you look at pictures of Amit, there's actually a picture of Amit in this episode towards the end mm-hmm. on these columns. when In the museum, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look that, like, I don't know, like, oh, I'd be scared to be judged by this dog hippo lion, but, like... <laughs> Noah said, (laughs) ancient Egyptian artists get it together. I am not scarred. But it's interesting that like a lot of the gods or deities for Egyptian culture, a lot of them either were so bestial Mm -hmm. or so like humanoid with a beast. But then you have Amit that's kind of, it just looks like a dog. Well, these, the three animals that are depicted in Amit are the three largest quote unquote man eating animals known to ancient Egyptians. So those oh. are the three animals they were most afraid of. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it makes, you could have led with that, but like, I'm glad I said what I said and I don't regret it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're just sharing knowledge and thoughts. It's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, no, but that is, that is, that's good to know because again, with Moon Knight and we're getting this new, so we kind of, we got a lot of cosmic stuff and we're getting a lot of more magical stuff with Wanda and Dr. Strange. With Moon Knight being introduced, we're getting even more supernatural. We're getting things that go bump in the night. Yeah. The first boogeyman. You know, we're, we're getting that type of stuff. And also this cool facet of the world, Egyptian mm-hmm. godery. What is the right <laughs> mythology? Is that the right word? Godery. You knew what I meant. I knew I was saying a wrong word. I just wanted to come up with a new one. This is This is your season to make words up. I feel like that's usually my role, so I welcome this. Don't put pressure on me. I don't know if I can do it. Next I'm not time. putting pressure on you. You're you've naturally done it this entire episode. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so one believer does come up to Haro, I was gonna say Amit, which who knows, and is deemed a good man, as decreed by the scales, the vibrating, shifting scales. Oh However, God. another little old lady comes up and is deemed unworthy and See she you gets never. The Dementor life sucked out of her. That's right. Instantly. All right, listen. I have a problem. I have a problem. Uh-huh. A magic tattoo. Come on. How, I guess how else are you... Are, I, I don't Maybe know. his eyes turn black. <laughs> That's better. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that, go, that makes this noise. <laughs> Stop it. I don't think no, not I the don't best. Think, I don't think that the tattoo actually makes that noise. I think it's just the sound designers being like, "Hey, it's moving." No, it's, it's either way, not my favorite decision. No, it is. It is odd, but yeah, I think it, it's a lot like the flag smashers. It's a lot like you know, you're getting this new group of antagonists mm. kind of shown, and I'm sure that these tattoos that all of them have on the people the followers of haro slash amit they have the scales tattooed on them i don't know if they all come equipped with vibrating i don't i think that's only special (laughs) that's special for arthur (laughs) but i think it's gonna come into play at some point maybe lila has the tattoos somewhere on her and she (gasps) turns out to be bad i don't know i'm not i'm oh my god but i'm just saying it just seems like a it's an interesting decision that i think there's going to be a point behind it i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve judgment i on the other hand (laughs) will judge immediately (laughs) that's fine (laughs) so 
obviously Mark's disguise did not work too well. Uh, and it's he... Steven. How dare you? Oh, Steve. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I knew it going into this because I'm so used to reading Moon Knight as Mark. I agree. It's very discombobulating. Which I maybe that was kind of part of the point. I don't mm-hmm. know. But so Steven obviously doesn't blend in well and he doesn't know how to espionage well. And he moves yeah. closer to the front of the pack. Guys, and hide Haro around the corner. Immediately points him out, and he well, calls him a mercenary. Yeah, well, you know, he says the magic words, the magic bowing words that he doesn't know. You know, he's like Zoltan, and he doesn't do the Zoltan. So then he's like, "I found you." <laughs> he says something Ahmed, but I yeah. kept trying to like write it, and I'm like, "Fuck it." He says, "Baby, I can I have a hard time saying Arthur. I can't. There's no way that I can say whatever he said. Yeah, absolutely not. But you're right. Uh, Stephen failed the test. Yeah, he absolutely did, and. He tries, Haro tries to persuade Stephen to give him the golden scarab, but an act that Kanchu will not allow Stephen to do. He, it, it, this scene very much reminded me of Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and No Way Home, mm-hmm. where he took the box from him and then he like astral projects his body out, but his spidey sense was still being able to move it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Kanchu is just like a glorified spidey sense at this point. Like he's just not letting him do it. I <laughs> loved this scene actually. So like I love when there's a bit of comedy injected into a Marvel show. Yeah. And Oscar Isaac does such a good job of selling the fact that I'm trying to give this to you, but my hand will not let it happen. I want no part in what's happening. No, like, exactly. <laughs> and he, like, oh my gosh, when he tries to peel his fingers back, yeah. like that even grossed me out a little bit. It looked like he was going to break his own fingers. I wonder if he's like double jointed in his fingers. Right. It bit. looks like he can bend them pretty far back. Have you seen when people are so double jointed that like they can extend their fingers out and they can pick up like glasses? Oh, no. In the back of their hands. It's disgusting. Ugh. Do you ever see when people stick their hands out and then they can just with just like bend their top knuckles? Oh, yeah. My little Ooh, brothers almost. can do that. Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, if, if, you, if you're listening to us and your hands are like that, you're beautiful and they're not weird. But if they don't do that, then it is it's weird. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. So- Hey guys, comment below. If you can do that, send us a video. Oh, yeah. Ooh, a video comment below? Please. Why do. not? Why yeah. not? We're getting this is a new phase. New season, new phase of a bite of. We want video comments, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Haro loses patience with obviously what's going on and commands his forces to seize Steven. Seize him. Who blacks out again. Only to awaken all bloodied from taking down Haro's men in combat. I love that so far Disney is pushing this maturity envelope, this maturity rating as blood with not showing us how very the blood slowly. got there. Yeah. But the blood is there. We know it's happening because it makes this noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. I do I do want to say, I want to point out that I do love that effect. I, I wasn't sure how they were gonna do it because it's better than just the screen going black and then going to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I like this whole transition. Of the different identities. I mean, like, out. but like, didn't a little piece of you want to see how he beat the shit out of those I people? I think that's, they're easing into it because I feel like from hopefully here on out, we're going to see more Moon Knightness. We're going to see more of the action actually taking place. Mm. But for now, I'm enjoying the like erraticness of it and kind of like being dropped in and dropped out. Well, right. I, I also think though that, yeah, you're right. And we're very much seeing this from the perspective of Steven who disappears in those moments. Exactly. So we're just as much in the dark 
as Steven is when it comes to Moonlight Night. <laughs> you could have just said Moon Knight. Yeah. You were right there. Yeah. Well, I ha- you know, listen, everyone. You're waning. I'm a waning Gimbus. <laughs> there is. There's an anime. There's an anime called Pretty Cure. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god, I knew it. It has like 15 seasons. Oh my god. And every season it's a new group of pretty cure, these girl soldiers. It's very Sailor Moon so- shoujo. In one season there was Cure Moonlight, and that's all I have been saying since Moon Knight came out. Cure Moonlight. So now I just say Moonlight instead of Moon Knight all the time. So I'm sorry. Okay. I'm really sorry you guys. I'm glad you explained that. But um, if you want, I would suggest just going on YouTube and typing in Pretty Cure Transformations because the transformations are beautiful. End of story. Good to know. You'll love it. (laughs) I've seen a lot of the Sailor Moon ones. I think I've seen them all. His face. Wow. I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've seen one Avenger, so I've seen them all. Yeah, Yeah, have you? Fine. Moon Knight is pretty different. Uh-huh. I only know Moonlight. So, <laughs> <laughs> so next, Steven steals a cupcake delivery truck. The one that is delivered on Sundays to give to the nice cold people. One of the most beautiful cupcake trucks I've ever good. seen. Yeah, it's not like super kitschy, but it's also like eye-catching. Super freshly painted. A gorgeous 3D cupcake on the top. Yeah. Very sad. And fresh cupcakes inside. He hightails it out of town with the soundtrack of Wham's... <gasps> Wake me up before you go, go. I knew you were going to do it. That's why I, I paused. I had to let you do it. <laughs> he looked disgusted. I'd just like to put that out there. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so he's hightailing it out of this random Egypt, Egyptian, European, both start with E's, <laughs> village. True. And I, I thought it was interesting that he's very good at driving on these Alpine highways in a delivery van. When he doesn't have a license. <laughs> also, I always love the luck of getting into any van or car in a superhero movie. And the keys are and in it. And the keys are in it. Yeah. The keys are in it. I mean, th- to this credit, I will say it's like, yeah, right. I mean, like, hopefully they would always just take the keys out. But like the guy was like right there. So I don't know. I th- I don't know. I think that sooner or later, action packed movies are going to have to realize that uh, there's a lot of keyless entry and keyless starting of cars these days. Tesla, the the freaking doorknobs or handles don't even come out until you like unlock it or whatever. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's they're really gonna have to get creative with these chase scenes. I would have loved to see Steven try to hotwire a cupcake delivery van. <laughs> I would have loved it. <laughs> but in this, so this is where I'll get a little critiquey with the show so far. Ooh. And no, I mean, well, it's I think you could probably agree with me. And I know it's like weirdly picky, but in moments like this where everything has been so good, visually, the cinematography in this show so far is just outstanding. Mm -hmm. It's so cool the way they play with reflections and everything. The CGI in this show is a bit why it reminds me a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially in the earlier episodes. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a scene in this where one of the guy jumps to the back of the cupcake van. yeah 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 it completely took me out of it oh. because it looked so fake and then there's a part where he I, I think he blacks out and wakes up again and he goes around the truck with all the logs on it yeah extremely fake mm. and it, it's like moments like that where it's like 
it just it took me out of it for a second, but I'm I'm still enjoying every part of it. You know what I mean? No, I get it. I get it. And you know, I know I was kind of being facetious before, but the sound effects took me out of it. Really? I think the sound, some of the sound design, the stupid thing with the tattoo, the kind of, mm. you know, like, I don't know. I feel like the noise that they're using for when he becomes Mark and we don't see it, that's like such a standard, like, creepy trailer sound effect. Mm. I think I like it's a couple with the visual. It's not bringing anything new. I guess that's my point. Uh. I yeah. don't know. But so I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. I think that there are things here that might work for some people, might not work for others, but I, I completely get it. Yeah. It's just a little like, that could have looked a little better. Like I've I've seen Infinity War. It looks beautiful. <laughs> you made a big purple man with a yeah. chin like that look real. But no. I, and even But even just take it down to another, you know, television show of Hawkeye. They had that great chase scene. Right. In the car. And, I think it's like the yeah. mix between like practical and doing CGI, which I kind of get like you're working with a truck with a bunch of logs on the back of it. Safety first. But like maybe you didn't need to have that. Maybe. Anyway, Steven keeps blacking out and waking up with uh, James Bond like skills. But he's just like has guns in his hands. He's like, "Wow, what am I doing? Driving backwards. As of now. Th- we're getting a lot more drop in and drop out moments. So obviously it's like. Steven is kind of taking control more often. So I'm I'm liking this. It's kind of coming to a head mm. to where he's going to eventually figure out that either the DID, something's going on, who is this random mysterious person that's talking in my head. By the end of this, he does know about Mark, but I'm liking this journey that we're seeing so far because we're exploring it with him. And that's something that I think is cool with the new character and like a mythology that's super fresh. You kind of do need to do that. But I did like that we didn't have to do this whole like Avengers, where are they now? You know what I mean? It's like we've seen these characters like Hawkeye. It's like, okay, where is he now? And in the first episode, yeah. this one, it's just like, we're just going to start the story right off the bat. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like with Hawkeye, Hawkeye was sort of the last Avenger that we had to catch up with. So now we get the opportunity to just meet new characters, which yeah. is exciting, you know? With no pre-existing anything. Right. So yeah. it's Moon Knight. It's Ms. Marvel. At some point, it'll be She-Hulk. It's kind of like Yay. we get to just live with these characters in the now. Yeah. Yeah. So this chase scene ends with the road being and, and the people and the cars being flattened by the logs from the truck prior. Which, again, I don't think was necessary, but it was like, <laughs> I mean, that's why you have to yell timber. Yeah. <laughs> it's going down. Steve, There's logs on the cliff. Stop it. <laughs> Steven disassociates again from the chase entirely. And he wakes up in bed safe with his ankle restraints. Good morning. It was all the dream, right? Mm. Wrong. <gasps> While the tape on the door is undisturbed, the fish now has two fins. Justice for Gus. What? What happened to him? Where is he? I need to know. What happened to Gus? So hopefully Mark better fess up. Whatever happened. He ate him. No, why? No. He's why so wouldn't Moon Knight eat him? Uh, well, also, why does Gus have such a big fish tank? Well, you I'm know, about that. you know, each goldfish is supposed to have 10 gallons of water to itself. That was like a 100 gallon tank. Well, he's doing them right. <laughs> That's a lot. Good for you, Gus. <laughs> R.I.P. We do see Steven go to the pet shop and complain to the unfortunate retail worker there that this fish had We've one We've all had fin. that customer. Yeah. Claiming that your pet is growing limbs that they did not have when you bought them. Turns out he didn't just black out for 
a few minutes, a few hours, and it also wasn't a dream. He kind of like was gone for a few days. So he's late for his date and he's been asleep for three days. (laughs) Steven then rushes out of the pet shop because he's late for his date. Then we see him sitting in a very nice corner restaurant. Apparently that they have the best steak in town. Best steak in town, baby. And he calls Dylan and it turns out the date was a couple days ago. And she's like, oh, now you call me? What's wrong with you? But this scene was really sad. It was very well acted, extremely well acted. And I think this is the cool thing about seeing Oscar Isaac play this character because he's almost like burning both ends of the candlestick here because mm. he has to play like the Moon Knight Mark Spector character. And then he has to play Stephen, the unknowing, the one that knows that he's living a lonely life. And he even said to, the, to Crowley, the statue, he's like, I mean, how am I supposed to have a relationship if I keep having like these sleep disorders and stuff like that? It's like, this is the whole DID. This is what I was hoping they would kind of explore a bit with the character that has this type of thing that goes on with them, you know? Yeah, no. And I think it was kind of funny. He's like, you know, having to tie yourself to the bed. That's kind of a red flag, isn't it? And it's like, well, you know, if someone really loves you, they'll tie you down. Well, (laughs) You know, maybe you buy her, the, you get the nicest steak in town, and then you say, hey, BTW. For nighttime strap activities, me in. maybe, but not like, hey, come over for dinner at my place. Don't mind the sand around my bed. <laughs> I'm just straps. saying, people who love others are willing to help them with things yeah. they're dealing with. <laughs> you know, let's not judge her. But I do think that standing her up is not okay, and... Sometimes you have to deal fault, with the repercussions. Though. Yeah, it's not his fault. That That's what made it kind of upsetting. He had no control over it whatsoever. Mm. And he was so happy about it. And then it was just like, oh. And then the vegan orders the steak. He doesn't know how to order steak. But he says, he's like, what part of the steak? And he's like, the steak. He he goes, says, how do you want it done? Good. Yeah. And then the guy's <laughs> like, oh, that's the fillet. And then he says, well done. What waiter... At the best steak in town restaurant is going to offer to make a filet mignon. Well done. Shame. Well, that's the opposite. Shame. Uh-huh. That's what I mean. He's like, I want it the best way. He's like, well done. Well done then, sir. Oh, he says that? Yeah. I thought he asked him how he wanted it done and he said good. Right. He said, so Stephen says good. And oh. then the guy says, well done. Ew. Oh, very confusing. No. Just, I mean, Stephen, I you're a really, vegan. Yeah, we're not really supposed to be um, paying attention to this, but I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, it was Crowley again. So, Stephen, then on his way back from his blunder of a date, talks to his mom again on the phone. He lies to his fake mom. He li- I know. It was bit- See, that's why it's just so sad. She loved the flowers. Nothing. I'm to bring around. We need to protect Stephen at all costs at this point. From what we know so far, he's just, he's so sweet. Yeah, and you have to wonder, is there just going to be a full shift away from Steven and we're all just going to be mourning the loss of the delightful gift shop I don't worker, know. Steven? Maybe, maybe not. I hope not. Or is Donna the main love interest and it will take place Ew, at uh, the museum no. always? Moving on from that, I don't like that. I, whatever. <laughs> Do, also, I know, so in this this part of it, we see that he brought a box of chocolates I'm assuming to the date, because it wouldn't make sense that he bought them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? I mean, would you like that on a first date? Um, It's a heart-shaped box of chocolate. Okay, very Valentine's Day, but 
<clears throat> your boy loves chocolates. So, oh my God, you got me this box of chocolates? Guess what? We have some steak, even though I don't eat beef, and wine. <laughs> and then when I kiss you goodnight, I go home, and I just eat that entire box of chocolates. I don't know. What I, a delightful treat. Thank you so much. I wouldn't like it. Or I, I would like, I mean, I would eat it later, but like, I would think it'd be a little much. Well. On the first I I a long time ago met someone for lunch and they gave me a necklace from Express and it was very bizarre. It, uh, so that's a step ask, too far. Can I ask how you knew it was from Express? Because it was in an it was in an Express gift box. Oh oh no! I was like, thanks. I mean, I'm not trying to like be like you know that type of person, but it's like I mean. If I saw something from Express, I'd be like, oh, it's not going to fit. Well, well, <laughs> like, wow, I mean? roasted. No, to, but, to me, because their sizes are always well, so no, small. Well, no, it was a necklace, but it, like, wasn't my style. It was just, it was interesting. I mean, like, lovely gesture, but caught me off guard for sure. See, that's too much. Like, I feel like gifts on the first date, unless it's, like, a joke or, like, you know what I mean? Like, unless like it's a kind flower of... that squirts water? No, like, <laughs> you guys had been talking, and, like, oh, you talk oh, about, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, something, and right. then it's like, oh, I I had to. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's fine, but not, like, an un... I don't know. An, uh, it's just a weird thing to do. I don't know. I don't like it. I, it would make me feel weird. Well, on our next first date, feel free to bring me a box of chocolates. <laughs> well, I could just do that now. <laughs> Here, here's your m and I mean, wouldn't fight that either. <laughs> Comment below, would you like a box of chocolates and a heart-shaped box on a first date? You know what they say, life is like a box of chocolates. Also, no. but that's a good question, because where are you getting a heart-shaped box of chocolates if it is not around Valentine's Day? I was trying to read what the box said, but I mean, who knows? Maybe London has Valentine's Day all year round. London. Maybe in London. London. Maybe there's a store, like this is Christmas or like Christmas all year round. Maybe like the Christmas tree store? <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a Valentine's Day store all year round. Oh, I okay. hate it, but you know, it'd be well, weird. Why would you want to? Val- anyway, whatever. We need to move on. I really want. A- I really want a Russell Stover's chocolate box right now. <laughs> All right, we'll get one after this. Yay! <laughs> so back in his flat, he pokes around and finds a secret compartment with a key and a storage key to a storage unit. Damn, I was on a roll with a razor flip phone. Blast from the past. What? I had a purple one. I had. Mine was black. Oh, I like that one too. I yeah. had I had a black one for about a week, and then I broke it, and then I got the purple one. They were so breakable, weren't they? they yeah, I, it broke. It snapped in half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but so it's bad. like international mercenary spy uses very inconspicuous Motorola razor. Maybe it was like. They could change the SIM card. I don't know. Oh, SIM cards. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's not as trackable as like a smartphone. I don't know. I'm just trying to like give Mark the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I, I don't know. So far, Mark and Steven have not made me not like them. So yeah. I'm just going to think they're doing everything right. Sure. And they're pretty little angels. But I mean, like Razor Phone is making me think like, what year is it? Valentine's Day box of chocolates is making me think what month is it yeah. i'm very confused yeah it is it is a bit i'm jar- it's jarring <laughs> in this in this call log on the phone we do see one little easter egg and it's frenchie's name bonjour frenchie <laughs> if you listen to our before you watch we did talk about how he has a, essentially like an alfred in the comics Mm-mm-mm. 
His name is Frenchie. He's Bonjour. a French pilot, so he calls him Frenchie. His <laughs> name is Jean-Paul, but Frenchie's the name. I do hope, and this is why I do hope, that he is in the show, not only because it would be cool to see Frenchie, but Frenchie is canonly bisexual, and he has a relationship with the dude. Caca-caca-cow. Yeah, so it's like, bring that representation. Serving in. bisexual realness? Maybe. Mark is in a relationship with Frenchie. Oh yeah. my God. French kissing Frenchie <laughs> under the moonlight light. <laughs> See, you keep doing it. Moonlight light. But no, it's like you wouldn't say under the moonlight. You would say under the moonlight. No, you would say under, it would, it's either midnight or moonlight. They put them together and it's moonlight. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You're not under the moonlight. No, but you're under the moonlight if you're kissing outside. That's at what night. I said. Oh, did you? And then you corrected me and said, say moon night. No, you said moon night light. Well, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Play the tape back. <laughs> you said under the moon night light. That's why I was like, just say moonlight. <laughs> hey there, you with the stars in your eyes. <laughs> so as he's looking through this phone and being Snoopy. What? Snooping. <laughs> Around this time in the episodes, it gets a little iffy <laughs> for us. This uh, episode, oh, our us, podcast. us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, the yeah. episode we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we start off strong at the top, and then we, it just turns into delirium. Everybody that listens to this just did a massive collective eye roll because they're like strong, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like, if that's what you want to call it, okay. <laughs> we just like listening to the You guys back. think highly of yourselves. <laughs> so cool. as he's snooping, not being snoopy, in the phone, this mysterious person's name that's all over the call, Lila, ends up calling him. I love the surprise on his face. He's like, ah! <laughs> looking at it. And when Steven answers, Lila claims that she's been trying to reach him for months with to no avail. And she also is like, what? What is this accent? Yeah. And she keeps calling him Mark. He's like, what did you call me? So hopefully Steven starts putting these pieces together at some point. But she did stop. She just hung up on him. So curious little character, this Layla is, <laughs> I said her name wrong previously, <laughs> excuse me. She doesn't exist in the comic, so I'm having a hard time remembering her name. <laughs> also, we haven't seen her in the show yet. That's so. true. For her to be credited as like one of the seven characters in IMDb, she's not even in the first episode. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm going to assume that she's going to be in the next one because, again, this is only six episodes. So It is a six episode event. Yeah, it's so interesting. That they're calling it an event. An event. Maybe we'll see how that pans out. At this moment, a voice only recognizable as Oscar Isaac's American accent speaks to Stephen. This, as far as we know, is Mark Spector. And I say as far as we know because we don't know for sure what is going on and who is who and whom is whom in control. <laughs> yeah. Mark warns Stephen to stop looking before he gets himself in trouble. The lights start flickering, books fly off the shelves, he escapes out of his apartment like any rational person would while things are flying out their face, and we get our first good look at Khonshu. Mm -hmm. The CGI in this scene was better, mm -hmm. I do have to say, especially when it was like all the way down the hallway and we get that flash. It was, it was creepy. Yeah, the same flash we got from the trailer. Seeing it again, it was just like, oh, with the context. Mm. It's so cool. The, everything in this show so far, the characters... The supernatural elements, everything is so striking. And again, just, I know I'm going to use this word a lot, but it's just so different from what we've seen in the MCU so far. 
So I'm just eating it all up. I'm absorbing all of it. The conchu design is giving me very uh, Doctor from Bly Manor. That like very long doctor. beak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, what doctor? Yeah, I remember him. Remember him. Yeah. They were, weren't, didn't the medicine men, do, don't they have like an actual name? I can't remember. Well, they're, like it was something about like. It those, was during the play. Yeah, those masks. I don't know. It, yeah, it had something to do with them like, not getting the long breathability poking poking they just poked all the sick people yeah it was about pecking them (laughs) so i do i'm loving all these creepy moments too like i I feel like it's really steeping into the supernatural element to it it feels right on tone with what you would expect the show to be it's that toenail shift it's that toenail shift into the supernatural (laughs) steven blacks out and wakes up on a bus also spotting conchu on the street Hey. And then Haro on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> was he with him what? the whole time? Yeah, he was just what? It made no, that what? I tried to like whenever watching it again. I tried to see in the background if I could see Haro. I didn't see him, so I don't and, know. And so he's looking for Stephen. Is on the same bus as him, but doesn't get off the bus when Stephen well, gets he, off the bus. Maybe he is following him. And that's how he then shortly in the next scene, few scenes that we'll talk about, he shows up at the museum he works at. So here's the thing about Arthur that we didn't realize. He may be wearing loose fitting glass filled sandals, but the man can run. He can move. He can move real fast. He said, he said, "Uh oh, miss my stop. Guess what? I'm hiding behind. You know why he can move fast, right? He has no feeling in his feet. So he can just like the wind. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's just... It's a, just a streak of blood he's riding on, just to write it where he wants to go. <laughs> so, and I, I would before we move on, just more of like a technical aspect. I do really like the music in this. Aside from the sound effects, I was really paying attention to the music because I'm very much like a score type person. Oh, I love it because it's like epic and eerie at the same time. Oh, the cool mix between between that, that sure, stuff. sure, and it does feel very much like with the mythology. It, it feels like Egyptian in some way, so it's. It's very cool. I kept trying to smash epic and eerie together in my head. Eerie. Yeah, they both start with E, so it's not as fun. Or why don't you go epic ear? No. You know? Yeah, it's not good. Just say both of them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You were right. All right. So at the museum. (laughs) Forget it. End the episode. (laughs) At the museum, Stephen pleads with JB. The great security guard with a million monitors. Who watches otter videos. Yeah, which is kind of cute. Right? Yeah. To not admit anyone into the museum because he's being followed, <gasps> which seems like even just a hard task because it's a public museum in the middle of the day. So good luck, Stephen. Yeah. Arthur Haro shows up and he's astonished to find Stephen at the museum. He thought Stephen Grant was an alias. No, it wasn't. Stephen Grant just doesn't know he's a mercenary and he just gave you his name. Did you see Donna give me a hard time yeah. at the front? Okay, I don't come here for fun. Yeah. Unfortunately for Steven, it appears several of his colleagues at the museum are also acolytes of Haro, which I guess makes sense in case any like artifacts of Amit come in. Amishans. Then yeah, he's just like, hey, hey, Dr. Harhar, I got some new stuff. Do you want it? He's like, yeah. And then that makes sense. Steven <laughs> swears he doesn't have the zealot's scarab beetle. Wrong is not his scarab, it's Amit's. Huh? 
Give it back. It's hers. This is where we get a little more exposition or explanation. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of soliloquy. I'm going to try to simplify it or at least explain it a little bit. Please. So Haro explains the only people who should fear Amit are evildoers. Very ambiguous. Cool. She has grown weary of waiting for her sinners to commit their crimes before punishing them. After all, her judgment surveys their entire lives past present present and future it's very like minority report we knew how that turned out it's not a good thing you can't do that okay she not only knows what they've done but also what they will do she wants to get rid of the she wants to rid the world of evil which isn't kind of that's what you're doing you're judging people before they even commit the acts because as again we've seen in minority report things can be skewed and also people can change so yeah also those people in that pool remember that yeah that was terrible. Yeah. It turns out that she is a little salty because she also was betrayed by her insolent fellow gods yeah, and was, her own avatar. She was like, listen, let me kill all these people. And they were like, no. no. Yeah. She's like, F you. Yeah. And they locked her up somewhere, maybe in the scarab. I don't know. Mm. Haro reasons with Steven that he understands how maddening it is to have that relentless voice in his head, which is kind of creepy that he does know that but i guess they both are kind of like avatars so mm. i don't know who knows what haro sees as he grasps steven's hands the scales of judgment on his forearms are undecided on steven as the scales continue to shift from side to side we don't see what the scales show tip change color maybe it's white i don't know but haro confirms and this is kind of like the tagline of the show there's chaos in steven embrace the chaos is pretty much steven's goal here He's and then he, it. yeah, and then he, like, just, like, leaves him? Yeah, so, <laughs> this next scene, I don't, like, I know that Donna, this whole episode was like, you're going to do inventory, that's why you're doing inventory tonight. Like, Stephen took it a little too far, and he actually just stays in the museum. Yeah, he's and like, does it. I found a phone, I was in an unspecified European village. Got shot at, saw got people shot die. At. Ethan Hawke followed me to work, <laughs> but I got to do inventory. That would be the scariest thing for me, seeing Ethan Hawke. With that hair? The hair is the also the hair. scariest thing. Yeah. Oh, no. Get Not out great. of my face. So, <laughs> while Steven is there by himself, beep boop in all the inventory, boop. Steven discovers that Haro releases a jackal to attack him. Because he's like, you don't give me a scarab, I'm just going to... Make this jackal eat you? I don't know the mystical mechanics behind it, but apparently he has a pack of jackals. Pack of jackals. <laughs> I do love that Haro comes on to the announcements, but it's like very much the museum jingle. Bing bong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me this scarab, Stephen. It's like, yeah, I can't. So again, <laughs> again, he let Stephen go to do inventory. Yeah. Stayed in the museum after hid. hours. Hid yeah, in the sarcophagus. To then use the PA system. Yeah. To say, guess what? I got a jackal. He probably didn't have to hide. I mean, he has acolytes there, so he's probably just like, hey, You're Jim, just hanging out in the break room? Jim, I just need to like chill here for a second. I'm going to need the PA system, but let me just fuck with this guy he said, He said, I'm going to go get a quick fish, fish and <laughs> chips. I'll be back, babe. So, that confrontation forces Steven to seek shelter in the museum bathroom, which was very hard to get to, by the way. There, in front of mirrors, Steven is <gasps> contacted by Mark, who <laughs> begs to be put into control. I love this scene. The way it's shot is so freaking... This is honestly my favorite scene in the entire episode, and it's the very last scene. 
I know usually they do these like sizzle moments at the end of the first episodes to really get you like WandaVision and mm. all of them really did. But this one was just like <gasps> the acting was so good. The effects were so good. I love the camera angles. It was just like, I love it. I really, I agree. This was my favorite part, especially like acting wise to see Oscar Isaac acting with himself. Whoa. You can see how talented he is because they're two complete different characters. And I think that's where, why the accent came into play. It's yes. like to distinguish them and also so that way he can get into character. You know but I mean? the mannerisms seem very different. The body language the is hair. very different. Yeah, between the characters. This is a really fun scene. Yeah, it's really cool. I love that when he finally lets Mark take control, a.k.a. unleashing the Moon Knight, as this ceremonial garb comes over him, you see all these hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Kind of Glowing. Like yeah, it's, it's cool. It's like, oh, this is like his Sailor Moon transformation moment. <gasps> it's a little scarier and a little slower, but... It looks cool as hell. Yeah. I love it. The final shot of this episode is Moon Knight pounding the jackal beast to a pulp in the bathroom floor. End scene. Great. Oh, my God. Guys. His glowing eyes walk into the camera frame, and then it goes to black. Oh, my God. The suit is so cool. I Everything about this show visually is, aside from the CGI, is <laughs> everything fantastic. except the effects. <laughs> but that's that's but that's the thing that takes me out of it because everything looks so crisp yeah. and so cool, and then it's like, <gasps> I did that looks bad, but it's fine. Keep How going. Dare you? Then Oscar Isaac comes back on the screen acting perfectly, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. let's keep going. Let's let's go. He was literally in every scene of this episode yeah. except for the glass walking scene in the beginning and he was phenomenal throughout. Yeah. And that I actually didn't notice that until you said it. That's cool. Yeah. He was it was all about him. It was all him. Yeah. It's, I guess it is a character study just like they said it would be. Mm, what an, I mean it's the first episode of a six part <laughs> event. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> then the last thing I'll say about this episode is the I love the credit sequences mm-hmm. for these shows. One divisions was kind of like like kind of boring but the credit sequence for this end credit oh so good visually amazing the cgi in that one perfect i love when it says oscar isaac and hits like his face but it's the three faces pretty great perfection pretty great yeah i have a prediction for the next episode Uh that i don't think it's going to continue from this point i think we're going to get the origin in the next episode. I would assume so. I they they would have to I mean at some point they they have to like We have to tell see it. him die in Egypt. Right. You Unless know what I mean? that's like I don't there's that scene in the trailers where it shows like Conchu, Mark and I'm assuming Haro and you know how it's like they're like they're like in Egypt and like the sky's moving all crazy. And, <laughs> you know, so I'm like is that when he dies or is that the end? Is that Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know what else is pretty interesting, though, is that with, within our first... <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Tell me. Um, in this first episode, yeah. we don't actually know the main plot point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We have Stephen, who we know is Moon Knight. Oh, we like, have hmm. Arthur, who we know is trying to get a scarab, but we don't know the... What Moon Knight's doing. Right. We don't know right. either of their through lines. Like, what are they actually both the trying on- to get at? The only thing I... Yeah. The only thing that I could say is, I think the reason why Moon Knight's happening is because now Amit's trying to 
Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm assuming that's why. But I kind of oh, like yeah. it. It's like, we're still all in the dark. Yeah. Right now. The, we're on the dark side of the moon. There you go. Yeah, I knew there it. was a moon pun there. Yeah. You found it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But comment below. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Yeah, that's always fun. So let's get into this little thing. I think this is always fun. We do love listicles. We're going just based off the first episode of each of these shows alone. Which one is our first opener? I know it's kind of hard. What was it? Was was WandaVision the only show that gave us two episodes at once? I think it was. I think so. Which is very weird. But they also had like, what, nine episodes? So I guess mm, for timing mm-hmm. it made sense. But anyway, still only basing it off of the first episodes. We only have six to rank. I'll let you go first. Okay. Do you want me to do a quick, quick rundown? Sure. Okay. My sixth one is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because, I mean, it was whatever. You know how I feel about Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> Number five is Loki. Whoa. Surprisingly enough. Low-key hot take. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, while I loved Loki, the series, except mm-hmm. for, like, the cliffhanger, like, the ending, whatever. But I didn't really remember the first episode of Loki. I remember him getting going to know there. the TVA. Yeah. Like, really. Remember him being stripped at some point, but that was really it. So I'm like, if I can't remember it, then it must not be high on my list. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Number four is what if. Okay. Captain Carter. Number three is Hawkeye. Oh, okay. 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 Little Christmas with the um, kids. Hawkeye children. The Bartons. Kate's Kate's dad die. and. Yeah, you know, and then, oh, she's wearing, you know, whatever. My second one. <laughs> Listen to our episodes, you get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it. My second one is Moon Knight. Okay. And my first one, mm-hmm. can you believe it? No. What I picked as my first, first Not episode is WandaVision. Yeah. The 50s dinner with the hearts choking yeah. at the table, the eerie ending, the what the heck is going on with these commercials. The practical effects. Oh, they made the things float with strings like back in the day. There was a live studio audience. It was so good. It was very good. Your turn. Do you want to know mine before? Okay. okay. I didn't know if we wanted to talk about yours and then. Oh, no. Okay. I'll go. Okay. I'll say mine. Okay. So number six is Hawkeye Mm. for me. Oh, wow. Okay. It's it's low on the list only because I kind of, I kind of alluded to this point earlier. It's like, the thing with some of these ones with pre-existing characters, it's a lot of like, where are they now? Mm. You know what I mean? It was really cool. I love the Kate stuff. But you know what I mean? The first episode was kind of just like, oh, Rogers the Musical was like the best part of the Hawkeye mm, first mm, episode. Mm, mm, mm. Number five was Falcon and Winter Soldier because <laughs> that canyon scene was fantastic. If it was, it would probably be been last if it wasn't for that scene for me. Yeah. And I also loved the Bucky stuff. So whatever. Number four is Loki. I love the TVA. I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan. So anything that is even close to their realm, I I need it. I want it. Number three is What If. Loved the Captain Carter. I love, 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 love. WandaVision is number two. Mm -hmm. And Moon Knight is number one. I I just, it, it was so, it's like, I can't really find a problem with this episode aside from those CGI moments. And I'm not saying... WandaVision had any problems, but it was also very short. But this Moon Knight one, just it's like my cup of tea. Scary. Hey. Eerie. Yeah, go for it. it. Go for it. it. But listen, you know me. Uh, If there's a strong female lead, 
It takes the cake for me. Donna was in this. So was Dylan. First of all, I didn't even know Dylan's name was Dylan. She Donna had a very strong personality. Okay, but Donna, <laughs> Donna was my biggest mystery this entire thing. Who's Donna? Who's Donna? We learned who Donna Why is. Why does she hate him? Donna. Oh, I mean, yeah, I the think, credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Donna has a crush. Oh, okay. probably. I mean, that's why won't he pay attention to her? I don't know. Maybe it's because you're mean. <laughs> She's mean. But I do want to say that both shows that came out at the beginning of the year, so 2022, 21, last year, <laughs> WandaVision happened. Phenomenal. Started the year off super Star strong. God. This one, so far from what I can tell, starting it off just so strong. Something about those first shows of the years. Hopefully they can keep it going. It's crazy how long it was between Hawkeye and this. I'm just realizing it was like three whole months. That's crazy. Yeah, there was like a, because we got like Spider-Man no way home and then it was kind of that was it and now we're going into multiverse of madness soon what are we at we're are we in like phase 4.5 4b what, what phase in, are we in right the now the reason why it seems like this phase is so long is because there's tv shows yeah. prior to that there would only be i think technically like three four movies so far into the phase so motion pictures yeah yeah so those are our rankings let us know I, we're asking your comment below a lot but like if you want to, maybe this one resonates with you a little more. Let us know your top first episodes of each. Why? They're like, why are you always making us work? Because we like to hear guys you. <laughs> interact with us. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it wouldn't be a new season or a bite of without a very special. I think I only did one special segment in our entire history. But this is Derek's baby. A new special segment. It's time for Talking to the Gods of the Moon. This one, that's long. Trying to pray to you. <laughs> Wait, is that Bruno Mars? Yeah. <gasps> Talking to the moon. Mars, moon, space. <laughs> Bruno. <clears throat> Arthur. Arthur. Ah, ah, Ethan Hawke, no. All right, so what is so, this? What is this? Part? As we know, with my Loki special segment, which some of us forgot obviously gods from other cultures were a favorite subject of mine as a kid therefore with our friend Kanchu being the voice in steven's head i thought i would take the opportunity to talk about the gods of the moon oh fun yeah Ooh, we're getting a god every episode oh yeah there's that many gods for the moon oh yeah, yeah different yeah. cultures different yeah. Yeah, yeah so my first stop on our lunar voyage is to <laughs> japan Oh. I would be remiss to not mention the guardian of the moon, Don't. Sailor Moon, Usagi Tsukino, and her boo, Prince Endymion, a.k.a. Tuxedo Mask, a.k.a. Moonlight Knight, from the first half of Sailor Moon R. Okay. <laughs> okay. She is not the subject of the special segment. Oh, okay. But would anyone forgive me for not bringing her up? So I had to do my due diligence. Yeah. <clears throat> but let's discover the moon god way before 1992 when Sailor Moon first hit the airwaves and talk about the creation of the three noble gods in Japan. Okay. When Izanagi, the god who created the land, washed himself of his sins, he also released the three noble gods. From his left eye, Amaterasu, the sun goddess. From his right eye, the moon god, Sukiyomi no Mikoto. And from his nose, Susanowo. The sea god. So, of course, we're talking about Tsukiyomi. So, they're eye boogies and nose boogies? Mm-hmm. Oh. We have more bodily stuff coming up. <laughs> wait. Can't wait. So, Tsukiyomi is a compound word. Suki meaning moon or month. And uh-huh. yomi meaning reading or counting. I would uh-huh. also like to point out that Sailor Moon's name is Did- Usagi, 
which means rabbit, because when in Japan, like in in the U.S., we look at the man in the moon, they see the rabbit in the, the moon. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And Tsukino is Suki, which means moon. Are you sure this is about Sailor Moon? I mean, it is as much as it is. <laughs> it is as much as it is. <laughs> so the tale goes that Amaterasu and Tsukiyomi were very close and could often be seen in the sky together. Aww. One time, Amaterasu, the sun goddess, was invited to a feast by the goddess of food, Ukimochi. Oh. But she could not attend, so she sent her brother, the god of the moon, Tsukiyomi, in her place. Uh-huh. Ukimochi would go behind a rock and return with bountiful plates of food time and time again. Feeling that this was suspicious, Tsukiyomi took a peek and saw that Ukimochi was vomiting up most of the food and shooting a bunch of it out of her nose to serve to the guests. Wait, what? So he peeked behind the rock and the goddess of food uh-huh. would bring the food to them by throwing it up and then giving it to them. You, but like that's a cool talent if you can make like full turkeys or it was like fish and rice and stuff like that. But um oh, did she have to eat it first and then it's just like stored? There's different versions where like she would she would suck a fish up from the sea and then throw it back up. And there's other versions Girl, where just she use just your hands. where she just barfs it up just for no reason. Hands. Yeah, so but weird. <laughs> As you are disgusted, so is Tsukiyomi. So he did what any god would do when he chopped her head off. What? Why yeah, so, so... Like, ew, you're feeding us puke food. Chopped her head off. Yeah. So his sister, Amaterasu, was so mad that he did this. She said she never wanted to see him again. So he traveled to the other side of the world. And this is the reason why the sun and the moon are rarely seen in the sky at the same time. Okay. So party foul led to day and night. Wait, so like before they were both just there together so there was no night? Well, they were brother and sister. It's about creation and like the world. Oh, Do you know I what I mean? It. It's the tale of telling how day and night. No, I get it. I just like <laughs> wanted to know what that was like. Yeah, they were besties. One came out of one eye, I... the other came out of the other eye. <laughs> They were besties, but then she got really mad at him. So then he went to the other side of the world, and that's why it's day and night. Don't look at me. I mean... Oh, when they fight, is that what, like, the lunar eclipse and solar eclipse are? Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Take so, this, biatch. Yeah. So that's Tsukiyomi no Mikoto. Cool. Yeah. That's your first, first installment learned. of the moon gods. I got yeah. Yeah. Special segment. Let's go. Ka-ka-ka-ka-kao. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode. It was fun. Tune in next week for the next episode of Moon Knight, brought to you by Derek and Noah of A Bite Of. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Turn off. Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at A Bite Of Pod and on Facebook at A Bite Of. If you have questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can email us at abiteofpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate and review to spread the word. Hope you join us next time on A Bite Of. Bye. Bye.